for our colleague, he used to work with us on the show here, wrote a piece the other day about you and former Congressman Kennedy pulling your endorsement of a guy running for the state rep seat that used to be held by the Speaker of the House, Bob DeLeo, this guy, Valentino uh, Capobianco. This came, your withdrawal of endorsement came after uh, there were some allegations of uh, sexual uh, misconduct. One of the tweets from Callis says, why'd you still endorse uh, Capobianco after it became clear when he launched his campaign that is a history of sexist and predatory comments. And I just looked up online some of these, like here he is from 2013. I re- is a tweet from him. I refuse to ever be that creepy dude that randomly, excuse me, I lost it, starts grinding on a girl. What's so bad about that? I do it every weekend. Did you know about any of these uh, tweets from 2013, 2020, 2012, 2011, when you originally endorsed the uh, Attorney General? Oh, no. No, not at all. I mean, uh, I announced my endorsement was a week ago. I announced Mm. my endorsement a week ago. And, you know, after that endorsement, there were people who came forward. Um, Some wrote to me um, who alleged some some troubling behavior um, by by Tino. And I'm thankful uh, to them for coming forward and sharing their stories. I know it's always difficult to do. Um, based on the nature of the allegations, I wasn't comfortable continuing with the endorsement, and so I, I went through it. And the election's next Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay. That's the Attorney General of the Commonwealth, Maura Healy. She's with us still, too. It's Mike Crawford. Welcome to the Young Jerks. We start off with uh, A.G. Healy talking to Jim Brani on uh, the WGBH Boston Public Radio, I guess the show is called. Um very interesting. She she just seemed like she didn't know what was going on with her endorsement when we had talked about it more than a week ago with uh, the one of the guests that we have. We, we have a lot of great guests. This is a great show tonight. I'm very blessed to have uh, the guests that we have on the show tonight. We've got a very big show. We're going to be speaking to a candidate who was just endorsed by Bernie Sanders and also uh, 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 Congressman Ayanna Presley. Very happy about that. We're going to have him on uh, very shortly, a half hour. Uh, his name's Juan. We're Juan Hadamio. I think I got it right. We'll find out from our first two guests because they they know all about Juan. Uh, I'm really happy to have back Calla Walsh and Hi. Dan Taunton. Hello. Hello to you both. Hi. And Hi. instead of me stumbling through it, I'm just going to have to start with Calla since she's been here. I know you both actually, I'm pretty sure, have been here. I know, Dan, I've, I've known you for quite a while. Um, but Calaf, we'll have you start. Tell, tell us who you are, first of all. Yeah, of course. Um, so my name is Calla Walsh. Um, she, her pronouns. I live in Cambridge, and I am a political organizer in Massachusetts. Um, so recently worked on the Act on Mass Transparency campaign, and right now, helping reelect uh, Julia Mejia to Boston City Council at large. I'm really excited to be here again. Who you kind of talked to on the, the first time we had you on the show, you had kind of a conversation going on with Julia, who's a friend of our show. We've, we've had her on quite a few times uh, through her win, her very close win. I think it was one vote in the end. It was, there was two, there was a recount. I think she was up by six votes first time. And then like one vote she won by uh, she's been amazing. And now you're working for her officially did you kind of like break the ice with her on the show do you had you talked to her i think you had talked to her before maybe yeah we'd connected before but i appreciate um the show helping me strengthen our connection um and yeah i'm really excited to be working for her i think she's a really unique politician and that she's just herself um 
And that really humanizes her in a way that allows her to connect with constituents and people um, that a lot of politicians struggle to do because she is just so personal and so um, herself and unafraid to voice her opinions. Yeah, she's amazing. She was on M MTV way back in the day. I remember seeing her on MTV and was really excited about what she did there when I was a young youngster. She was pretty young back then too, uh, but she's just, yeah, she's, she's amazing. Um, but since you also came on the show, like one of the things I love is all the information and knowledge you brought to that last show and got a lot of listeners, a lot of people listening. And you, you shared quite a bit of information about this Valentino. Uh, they call him Tino Capabianco. Is that his, how you say it? Yes. Yep. Uh, he was, he is, or was running uh, for the state rep seat. He had gotten the endorsement of A.G. Healy and uh, Joe Kennedy and some other, quite a few politicians in the state of Massachusetts. But even before they gave their endorsement, you had come on our show. And even more importantly than our show, you had tweeted and everybody in the universe saw your tweets. I mean, you get a lot of retweets. I mean, um, and it was kind of exposed, like the stuff that he had put out there in the past, which was really ridiculous. Jim Brody just read one of them. Uh, and A.G. Healy now still endorsed him and then basically took, down, took back her endorsement this week when a lot more bad information came out through WGBH and Tory uh, Bedford's reporting. What is your kind of response to A.G. Healy listening to that clip? Yeah, I mean, first, I just want to say I really appreciate and admire all the um, people who came forward. It takes a lot of bravery to step up and share something, especially um, when the person who's harmed you is someone in such a powerful position like Tino um, was and still is. Um, so I think we really owe it to them that they were willing to stand up um, and speak their truth. Um, and yeah, as to um, more Healy's comments, I know she said that she hadn't, you know, heard any concerns about Tino um, or seen these tweets before she made her endorsement. But if I, you know, like a 16 year old girl who spends too much time on Twitter was able to find this information, you'd think that, you know, the political team of one of the most powerful politicians in the state would also do like some basic research before making an endorsement and see that there are really predatory and concerning comments about women in those posts. Um, so I don't think there's any excuses for making that endorsement. Um, the tweets that I shared back in December should have been a major red flag. And it also just seems to be pretty common knowledge, um, you know, based on my conversations with people in Winthrop, that this guy um, is not someone that, you know, young women want to be around. He is known to have this sort of behavior. And I think that all politicians should do their due diligence before um, making an endorsement. And Maura Healy and Joe Kennedy don't get an exception. Yeah, it's it's pretty shocking. I, I just, uh, it, it, you know, it's funny you say a 60-year-old. I'd say, like, if I know about it, someone who basically walks dogs all week, I'm doing something else. And I, I knew all about it from Cala, from Cala, like everybody else. Like Jim Browdy knew about it, apparently. Uh, <laughs> um, so we also have Dan Taunton here. Um, definitely want to bring up Dan. Dan, welcome to the show. Tell us about yourself, who you are. I, I've known you as an aide uh, for the best city councilor probably in America. <laughs> He's been on the show a bunch of times, a good friend of the show. Tell us about yourself because you're, you're very active as well. I, I've known you uh, from some of the causes we worked on together, cannabis in Cambridge, for instance. So tell us about who you are and what you do. 
Yeah, so my name is Dan Totten. I use he, his pronouns. And um, I'm a resident of Central Square in Cambridge, uh, also a democratic socialist. And I kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, I'm active. I'm, you know, active at City Hall uh, as part of my work, but also active in sort of more a statewide context. Um, and, you know, even in a neighborhood context uh, as well. Uh, it's been great working with you and all the other activists on, you know, advancing um, racial equity in the cannabis industry. Um, and, um, you know, I'm just really glad to be here uh, to be able to kind of connect some of the dots around what's going on and, you know, uh, how these things that we're experiencing really all fit together. Awesome. And we've already had, a, you know, one comment I want to throw up there. It's, uh, I think, uh, from, yeah, it's about the, it's, it's basically uh, just updating, letting us know that there's been quite a few even new, like, at, you know, every moment there's a new uh, endorsement of one. And there's quite a few. Number one is Our Revolution, Massachusetts endorsed them. Maybe Our Revolution nationally endorsed them. I'm not sure it says Our Revolution, but uh, I know Massachusetts definitely did their branch, which is huge. Michelle Wu has endorsed them. Ayanna Presley, Mike Conley, Sonia Chang Diaz, Maria Ro uh, Robinson, a guy I like a lot, Andy Vargas, another guy I like a lot, Senator Jamie Eldridge. They're all recent uh, Juan. I'll make sure I say his last name right. Had a Mio endorsements. He's killing it, right? And and, and you're also working uh, on that campaign too, right, Calla? Yeah, I'm just volunteering as much as I can before the election. But Juan is like a once in a lifetime candidate, so really glad to have the chance to support him. And I saw you change your handle on Twitter. Your very popular handle, which is at Calla Walsh. Did I say Calla right? I said Calla right, right? Yeah. People got to make sure they say your name right, right? Not every Jim Brody, Jim Brody said it right, right? Yeah, I was actually I surprised by that. Really, a pro like him, <laughs> I, I'd be surprised. I get it right, and that Jim, you know, he he would get it right. I would think, but anyways, uh, they pay him the big bucks. He should get it right. <laughs> but you know, basically, you've changed your handle. Uh, it's at Calla Walsh is how people can reach you on Twitter, but it's Calla for Juan right now. Yeah, and I encourage anyone else who is hoping Juan will win on Tuesday to also change their handle to first name for Juan. If they're so interested. We're, yeah, we're talking about uh, this election. To me, this election, you know, I don't want to talk too much about myself because I got great guests, but it's personal because this was, after we legalized, this was the seat, you know, Speaker DeLeo who stopped us, changed the law, screwed up what we cover a lot, which is cannabis on this show, cause it's you know and we actually did a protest of speaker DeLeo, and now to see that we have an opportunity to have someone much better uh juan is running and you know there's basically one or bust as, as far as i'm seeing in this race um dan do you want to add anything to about Juan as well are you, where are you on this race yeah totally uh i of course support support him and i think he's amazing um and i guess what i would like to add is just you know, that I recently got to speak with Gus Bickford. Uh, he's the um, chair of the state party. And when I when I spoke to him, I, I told him that um, young people, meaning millennials and, and, and under, are um, underrepresented within the formal wings of the party, but overrepresented in the streets. 
And I told him that he needs to watch out because, um, you know, we're coming and he can't rely on people in the nursing home to get elected uh, forever. And so I think that really connects to what's going on here, because in the past few weeks, you've seen, um, you know, millennials and Gen Z, but in particular Gen Z, really change the, the shape, reshape this entire special election. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I think somebody like Maura Healy should be embarrassed that she, um, you know, weighed in. And this is not the first time that Maura Healy has um, endorsed uh, a, a white man over a, a candidate of color. Um, and, and, you know, candidates, uh, electors always have a choice to just stay out of it, right? That's always an option. And, you know, if, if she doesn't want to be a champion for these candidates, uh, she can do that. But the problem is when you start, when you, when you just, you know, phone it in for, for some of these establishment picks. And to be clear, Tino is DeLeo's former aide, right? So, so that's, you know, and, and, and when you endorse that person, you know, and, and this comes up, it just reflects poorly. Is how yeah, I- you're endorsing the system, basically, that, that has gotten us here where we basically have, you know, everything's we're like this liberal utopia in Massachusetts, but it's not very liberal at the state house. They're all Democrats, but they, I mean, we, we had a transparency bill we're going to talk about in a second and it was all Republicans who voted for it. The Democrats in large majority, you know, except for a few like Jamie Eldridge and Mike Conley, some of the folks that we just named who have endorsed Juan, the good representatives, you know, it, it's crazy. They, they vote against us every time. Um, but before we go there, because I want to ask you, Dan, there's been, you've been in the newspapers. There's been a scandal, a big scandal. Um, some homophobic things were sa- said. And this, again, is, 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 is about what's going on in the state of Massachusetts. The mass Democrats are being challenged by a younger generation who just aren't going to take the same old BS that goes on. Uh, and basically, someone got called a homophobic I think it was yourself got called some homo, you know, homophobic words on a stream. Where, where does that stand? I mean, you're, I'm guessing you're still not happy about the outcome. You know, yeah, it, just quickly, cause, cause I could, you know, we could, we could spend hours talking about it. If you haven't, you know, viewers aren't familiar with the situation. I recommend checking out the uh, deconstructed podcast. They break down the incident really well. Um, but there was an incident at a meeting of the Cambridge Democrats where um, I was called a homophobic slur by another member. And that's, that's, you know, frankly, that's why Gus Bickford took a meeting with me. Um, but I think what's astounding, when I met with him, my first question is, what, what's the plan for, to create a, a harassment and grievance process? And he said, they're working on it and they'll have one by next fall. And I said, next fall? <laughs> Um, and he said to me, don't worry because it's not a primary season. It's not the state primaries, not until next year. There won't be, you know, there, there won't be any more scandals. Um, you know, and, and by the way, if there are any more scandals, I'll be able to step in because it won't be about a primary and I won't have to remain neutral. So within two weeks he was proven wrong. And I just want to point out that we haven't seen, uh, any sort of statement from the mass Dems, from the state committee, from anyone on the state committee, um, We've seen the Eastie Dems have asked Tino to step down as a member of the DSC, which I think is can be built on. But uh, it sh- the buck stops at the top. And again, 
Gus Bickford is failing to show leadership in a critical moment in this party. And Gus Bickford, to just reference, he is the leader of the Democratic State Committee, right? Yeah, he's 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 in charge and he's he's a national figure. I mean, this guy is relevant in the national party, too. Right. And he he he's just not being a leader in our party right now. And there was already another like, you know, basically this, this homophobia thing got brought up to where you got attacked um, with a slur. It was basically part of you were questioning some of the actions of what happened with Alex Morris, who was the Holyoke mayor who ran against Richard Neal. And th- there was a bunch of BS that went against him, a gay mayor. Um, is, that, is that true? Am I right on that? Yeah, you are. The the, Yeah. And they still haven't addressed that correctly. They The, the state party has not addressed the incident. Um, it's been a deeply hurtful experience for a ton of us. The state committee is deeply split. Um, and, you know, I completely understand why a lot of young people look at that and just don't even give it any any thought. And I was very clear with with Gus Bickford about that. I, I said to him, look, you know, um, I'm I'm trying here, but there there are people who are so disillusioned with your leadership that they're not even paying attention. And, I, you know, I can get 100 people at City Hall to talk about homelessness or policing on Monday night. And then on Tuesday night, the only people in the room in the Democratic Party space are over 60. So where's there's a disconnect there. And he really, I hope he heard me. He, he didn't have much to say, but I hope he heard me. Kelly, you want to add anything on this? Yeah, I mean, I stand with Dan. I honestly try to stay out of state party stuff just because I feel like it's just dominated by people who are so disconnected from the actual issues that are going on that it's kind of irrelevant to the work that I do. But I think when I saw this happen in Cambridge, um, I mentioned, I forgot to mention, I also live in Central Square um, in Cambridge. And when I saw that happen, you know, in my own city, that's considered to be like the most progressive in the country. I think that really hit me that like these spaces are not welcoming to young people, to queer people, to anyone from any sort of marginalized background. Um, And Democrats that claim to, you know, stand for equity are really just recreating the same inequities with all of these systems. So um, I'm really excited to like learn and start exploring ways to organize outside of the party. I am a DSA member, but um, if these spaces aren't welcoming, that's there's there's so many other problems too with the Democratic Party, but the bare minimum of these spaces aren't welcoming for the same identities that the Democratic Party claims to protect, then I think there's really nothing that would make me want to, um, you know, get involved or continue to support them. Sad. It's, it's, it's such a like lost opportunity because of what's going on right now. And we, we're getting comments on our Facebook live too, that, you know, Jeff says he left the party over it as well. Yeah. I, um, I wanted to actually add, you know, I, I, um, I, I really respect uh, Cal's position on this, but I just want to add that it's not, um, only, only young people. There was a, um, we'll call him a Bernie person uh, who uh, I asked to show up to our Cambridge Democrats meeting because he was on the roster and I needed the vote. And I got him to show up and he heard, he saw what happened and he, he has left the party. He, he resigned from the committee and left the party, right? And he's, he's, he's a, a, a boomer, right? So um, this, is, this is really about the party not being welcoming in many ways to, to the left. Yeah. 
It's uh, we also have some other comments earlier too uh, from a friend of ours. She ran for district attorney, Linda Champion. She writes, she says she supports women of color, but campaigned hard against Elena Fonts for governor councilor. And uh, she's talking about what we were talking about earlier, AJ Healy, which is I, I think it's all, it's all the same. It seems like it to me, anyways. Yeah, you want to comment on? Linda makes a great point that um, Healy like campaigned, like not just endorsed, but actively campaigned against a lot of progressive candidates, against women candidates, against people of color who were running for office during the primary. Um, and I know she's, you know, one of the big names that's being floated for the Dems um, gubernatorial nominee in 2022. And just the fact that she's endorsing the same people or she has endorsed the same people that Charlie Baker's super PAC backed like she's not even that different than our Republican governor. So I think that's just another reason why we need a strong um, candidate on the left rather than someone who doesn't even hold that much ideological difference than the incumbent. What do you think about the, I think there's one candidate now. What do you think about him that we know on the Democratic side for governor? Yeah, I mean, I'm very focused on the municipal races. Um, and I think in 2022, I'll be more focused on, you know, state rep primaries, state Senate races, rather than the governor's race. But um, so far, Ben Downing, who's a former state senator who launched his campaign, seems great. Um, I definitely want to see who else jumps in. But people I really trust, um, like Damali Vido um, and the Rivera um, consulting team are behind him. And I think that's definitely a sign that he is a real progressive. So excited to see what comes out of that. Dan, you want to add anything? To what yeah. Um, well, just one th one thing is that uh, Damali is another example of somebody that Maura Healy endorsed against. She endorsed Dan Ryan in that primary. Mm, that's that's unforgivable. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. Damali is like, come on, come on. That's just unforgivable. It's sad, and and you know what? I think just that one. Yeah, go ahead. I struggle to I struggle to pay attention to the governor's race this early too. I mean, it's too early. But right. um, what's what's sad about it is that it does ultimately come back to the state party, right? Because they get to control who the primary nominee is. Um, we we got to sort of sidestep that whole rigmarole this past cycle because of the pandemic. But normally, it's like all those people in that in that group and and more get together and literally cast ballots to decide you know who the party should support and if you're a candidate for governor who doesn't get the support of the party that's a very not a good that's not where you want to be it's very hard to win if 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 if, if another candidate has so it, it's it's very frustrating because it on one hand, these folks are asking us to care about this massive race with, you know, and this potentially very uninspiring candidate. And on the other hand, like, there's just other options. Like, we can just focus on other stuff. And so, you know, that's part of the problem here, I think, is that we're just going to do other stuff. And if they if they really want to take back the governor's seat, we only had one Democratic governor in my lifetime, right? And if, if, if they want to take back the governor's seat, they need us and they need to bring us in. And part of that means not just ignoring us. There you go. We're almost out of time, unfortunately, because we're going to have one on very soon. But I, I want to give you like three like last questions all at once. You decide what you want to go with. Number one, anything you want to talk about, anything you want to promote. 
Number two, uh, why why are you specifically like like why are you supporting Juan? That's what I really want to get to again, like kind of because you know we're going to be talking to Juan in a second. Um, and I and I guess uh, I don't even know what the final thing is. There was one more. Oh, I know. Obviously, Cala. I want to hear about transparency. I want to hear about this bill because again, I think this lines up with what happened this week, where more Republicans voted something for something that that we all want, which is transparency at the state house. There's more transparency at the local level on the city and towns. They have, they they have FOIA requests. We know nothing. They hide their votes. Um, so tell us about that, Kella, and and what happened with that bill and where it's going as well. Yeah, well, that's also a great segue to talking about Juan since Acton Mass has actually endorsed him and he's a great supporter of transparency. Um, but basically what happened was um, after our initial conversation um, a couple of weeks ago, the House rules vote, which typically happens in January or February, got pushed back to July, which is super unprecedented. It got pushed back by six months because so many people had been advocating for changes in the rules. So they wanted to look them over and potentially change a lot of stuff in the rules book. Um, but what happened on Wednesday was that, or Tuesday, no, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday um, was that there, um, there was a vote on the rules for joint committees, which are committees that have House and Senate members. Um, so the House was voting on what their rules should be. And the Senate had already uh, unanimously passed the, their rules package, which in, included a lot more transparency than the House package did. Um, but Rep. Erica Eiderhofen, who was actually the co-founder of Axon Mass, introduced Amendment Number 8 to this package that would make all committee votes public um, and post it online like the Senate already does, um, make testimony publicly available, and also provide a week notice for all committee hearings. And the amendment was defeated um, 36 in favor, 122 against. Majority of the yes votes were Republicans um, and then a few progressive reps. Um, so I think it's very clear that this is a loss. Um, you know, it's disappointing, but I'm just way more fired up to hold the people who voted no accountable. Um, it was really disappointing to see some so-called progressive reps actually get up on the floor and spread lies about what the amendment would do and slander the advocacy work that Act on Mass and our coalition, which isn't just us, you know, it's youth-led, it's climate activist organizations, teachers' unions, so many different progressive groups to basically slander our work, um, spread lies about what we're doing and um, defeat the amendment. Um, and I think it shows how um, needed changes in the state house, the fact that so few people are willing to stand up to leadership and actually say that we need change and we need to give our constituents more of a voice. Um, so personally, I'm excited to um, primary a lot of the people who you know are standing against us because um, I think it provides a really cool opportunity where constituents across the state, you know, this was supported with a 90% average when it was on the ballot. Um, constituents across the state have been organizing for months, asking their reps to support them. And in some cases, reps said to their constituents' faces, yes, I support transparency. Yes, I'm a real progressive. Yes, I will vote for public committee votes. And then go into the state house the next day and vote no. Um, so I think they're really just exposing themselves. And now we can do the work of holding them accountable um, and you know, spreading the word to their constituents, hey, this is how your rep voted, call them and tell them you're not happy. Let's, um, you know, increase the pressure that we're putting on them and hopefully come back in July when the full rules package is being voted on with much stronger demands. Awesome. Act on mass is how people can get involved in that movement. Yep. Actonmass.org. Awesome. I love that. And it's, 
it's so much needed at the state house. It is just, it's so funny too. They were patronizing. Like they were just like, these young kids don't know any better. Like we're, we're, we know what we're doing. We don't need this. It's like, it's not working. What's, what's happening at the state house is not working for the people. It's so clear, you know, it's, it's not working for the people who are, who are voting and that are involved, the younger people now, especially Dan, what, what, where do you want to go? Yeah, I, uh, I'll pick up on the transparency uh, for a second. I think that, um, you know, it's just insane. Just, just to reiterate some of these reps, like they're, they're supposed to be progressive. They're supposed to be standing with us and then they don't vote for this. And it's really simple, right? The Senate version of this bill was passed unanimously and the amendments that were introduced by Erica were just bringing it up to what the Senate had passed unanimously, right? And so for progressive reps to be arguing on social media that somehow that's not what was happening, that somehow they were, they were justified in voting no because there was something wrong with the amendment, for example, that's you know, just that's just misleading and discouraging and, and frustrating. Um, and and the other thing I'd say is that, you know, if you're upset about what is going on at the state house with transparency, this is the most effective thing you can do is this this coming weekend, phone bank, text bank, canvas, donate, whatever you can do um, to make this put put him over the finish line, put Juan over the finish line, because every seat we flip matters and we have to win these little skirmishes when all of when all eyes are on one race like this the progressives need to win and the last thing i'll say uh is just if you live in cambridge uh on tuesday night there's a proposal to put a citizens bank where rodney's bookstore used to be and it, we're gonna fight it at 6 30 if you're around uh i'll send you information on it but Please, uh, please make time Tuesday night. We're going to fight them and we're going to we're going to make sure Citizens Bank doesn't open up there. Uh, but I just well, I also just want to thank both of you uh, immensely. Uh, this has been really fun and um, really uh, excited that the movement is is growing and, and that we're able to, to do stuff like this. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan Taunton. Where can people find you? You have social media? Yeah, uh, Twitter. Just search for Dan Totten. Is it Dan underscore Totten? Yeah, I think there's two underscores. It's two Dan underscore underscore Totten. Um, and you can also listen to that podcast is pinned on my uh, Twitter. Awesome. And uh, Calla Walsh, I'm sure you have more because there, there is always more to talk about. What do you want to leave us with tonight? Because we have Juan in the waiting room here. He's here. Yeah, well, I will let Juan get started, but I'll just say I was on the phone for him right before um, I came on to this stream, and people are really fired up about his campaign. Um, I heard members of the um, people who are filmmaking, you know, talk to entire families who are voting for him, talk to people who didn't even know there was a special election and already committed to voting for him. So I think he's building really um, incredible momentum, and um, I hope you guys have a good conversation. He is just an amazing candidate. Awesome. Anything specific, like any quick question you want us to ask him tonight? Hmm. I think it would be fun to ask him about his plan to free the teachers, because I know he's the only candidate in the race who supports fair, free public free, transportation. Like the uh, Michelle Wu proposal, basically. Yep, but at the state level, so everyone can enjoy it. Um, I think that would oh, be like a good that. topic to ask him about. I will definitely ask him. 
Thank you, Calla Walsh, and thank you, Dan Taunton, and it's at Calla Walsh on Twitter. Yeah. If you're not following her, you're crazy. It's so much information. I want to thank you both. You guys are both awesome, Dan and Calla. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. And now we're going to bring up, uh, going to add him right in. We, we got Juan here, who's running uh, hey, from Calla. Massachusetts State. Oh, I, she, yeah, she just left. But, yeah, up, perfect. Yeah. You got the you got the crossover though. That All was right. cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. You got to say hi. And you 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 heard everything them talking about you too, right? Yeah, they're they're great. Obviously, they're they're amazing uh, organizers here and really inspiring. I, I was a youth organizer at one point, and I, I'm just so happy to see so much youth energy in our state now. Uh, this is exactly why I'm running uh, to continue the, this type of uh, union uh, youth-led movements and 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 involvement in, in our political system. I love it, and you, you um, me too. Like I. You know, for me, like I, I basically got involved in this stuff through cannabis, actually. I'm a medical patient or my back was an old jock and all that. Yeah. And, you know, I started there and I was like the youngest guy back then. I was like, you know, the Gen X. Yeah. And it was all these baby boomers. It's all these World War II vets and stuff. And now, you know, I felt like I was alone. I was like the young leader among that movement. And I got burnt out fighting those people, like just trying to. And now I just look at it. It's like all of like women and like, and especially in that movement, there weren't people of color there. There weren't women. There weren't young people. Now it's just taken over by it. And I think that's same thing happened in the political scene. Like I'm seeing that all over the place. Like we, you know, when we first started this show, we didn't get winning campaigns on. And then we started getting winning campaigns. Mike Conley was like the first one. And now we just seem to win. And I think you're going to win. I think Calla thinks you're going to win. Uh, you're getting you got Bernie Sanders endorsement. You got uh, we listed them all. Our revolution. There's more. They just keep coming in. Alex Vargas. So tell us about yourself, though, because I want to hear about you. I know that you you're a union organizer. Are you still a union organizer? Because I'm yeah. into that big time. Tell us about you, who you are, your background. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mike. And and also thanks for you and what you do with the young Yorks with the young Yorks. Uh, and this is a, a great show, and I truly enjoy it as well. Uh, I, I get a lot of my uh, inside scoops from the from from the work that you do here, so so I appreciate what you do. But um, yeah, so my name is Juan Hanamijo. For those of you who um, have not uh, gotten a chance to know about me, I uh, I'm an immigrant. I my, my story starts in in, uh, in the U.S. when I when I land in 2000. And from where you're an immigrant from where? I'm I'm immigrant from Colombia. Yeah. And you know, you were just talking about like decriminalization and, and stuff like that, right? Like the drug the drug war has a direct connection to my my immigrate to my immigration story, right? The violence of uh the drug war in Colombia, you know, led for enough stability that my parents felt that it was no longer safe for us to be there. Um and so, so I landed right here in Riviera. I've never really moved. Uh, I've been kind of a, a townie, if you will, as as much as an immigrant can be a townie. Uh, you know, I grew up. I grew up here. I played sports here, and um, and then I went to college. I didn't want to leave. I was, I loved Riviera so much um, that I actually went to the only public institution in in Boston, UMass Boston. Uh, oh, and awesome. I did, yeah, it's great. I'm a state school kid too, and I used to All work right. over at UMass Boston, so I love you, EUMB. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, yeah. We have a lot in common already. Keep going. Yeah, though. Nice. Guys, what, what, where'd you go to school? Mike? Bridgewater State. Oh, Bridgewater. I have some friends. Uh, I went to Bridgewater State, and uh, 
<laughs> you know, UMass doesn't have quite the atmosphere, but I yeah. ended, I always did end up down in uh, Bridgewater State doing, uh, you know, more college things. Keg stands. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I wasn't a big keg stand guy. Listen, uh, I, no shade here, but it, it always felt like a real white boy type of thing. Oh, yeah. You know? I just wanted, I, I just wanted I, to dance. I'm but. one of those white boys who did it like a fool. <laughs> Like I, yeah. I now I look at it, like there was a certain point where you get and you're like, wait a minute, yeah, yeah. that's just dumb. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, that's not to say I never did a keg stand. Uh, you know, I have. It just wasn't. But I, it was like my friends were always like, and you know, my friends that went to like Bridgewater State. I had friends at like Boston College. And they were always you know Latinx or black black friends. So like. We were like dancing. We were ready to dance all the time, right? So that's what I, that's what we did. But um, no shade. Hey, listen, I see some white boys that can dance. <laughs> not me, not me. Uh, so um, no, but uh, yeah. So I went to UMass Boston. I was organizing with Revere Youth in Action at the time. I was also uh, which which we worked on a, a couple of things. We worked on minimum wage increase, fifteen dollars an hour, paid family medical leave. You know, young people. Like I said, you know, right when I jumped on. Um, young people helped deliver that for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, right? Like I, I was just lucky enough to be a, par- a partner in that uh, as a as a program director for Revere Youth Actual. We were part of the Raise Up Coalition that got that work done, and um, you know, at a young age. At the same time, right? Because that that was a, a full time volunteer job, but uh, at the same time, I was cleaning ICU beds at Mass General Hospital to to help pay for college and, and help my parents uh, around the house, and so uh, you know. But really, at a young age, I, I kind of like got stuck into public service because my dad worked eighty hours a week, my mom worked two jobs as well, and I, I never quite, it never quite clicked with me why they were working so much, sacrificing so much time from being home, from their bodies, from their rest, um, you know, sacrificing time for, with me uh, selfishly, right, um, and still struggling to make ends meet. So. Um, so the, you know that's why things like paid family and medical leave and raise up like the raise up coalition's entire mission uh, resonated with me and, and uh, I, I got attracted to it. Um, then I went on. I got dragged away to, to political campaigning. I had I had worked on another campaign uh, of a, the former registered probate. Her name was Patty Campitelli. Um, she was uh, an interesting character for sure. But that was that was my very first campaign. We won that campaign with with, with Felix, right? No, no. Was, uh, so Pat, so Patty ran when. Um, oh my goodness, I forget who was running the department before that. But Patty Campitelli ran against Sal Matina here in Boston. They were the only two people running in Suffolk County. And uh, she's, you know, Sal was her counselor in Eastie, and and she beat him. <laughs> that was the very first campaign I, I, I volunteered on. Um, I, I was like her driver, chauffeur guy, but like I, it was a lot of fun though. You know, I was like eighteen. I was like, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed, and um, and I and I learned a lot about what to do and what not to do in politics. But um, but uh, then but then you know, fast forward, I started work working with um. Senator Boncori, I was his field director when he ran for state senate in a crowded seven-people field uh, to replace uh, former state senator uh, Anthony Petroselli. And uh, when we won, he brought me on to be his legislative director. And uh, and and then right after that, which is my more recent, my most recent uh, employment, uh, is as political coordinator for. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're laughing at some of the co- the comments were yeah, flashing. I'm sorry to interrupt. You. For anyone good. listening on the podcast, we 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 flash the live comments, and you're you're laughing at them. Uh, <laughs> but I, sorry to have those comments interrupt you. No, 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 no. It's good. Listen, it's good. I'm I like I need the I need the the comments, but um, because I my mind goes a mile a minute anyway. Uh, so, so. I, so I, I left Senator Bakori's job about two years ago, and I've been working at SEIU Local 32BJ as a political coordinator. Um, working, you know, our union represents 20,000 uh, service workers, uh, frontline workers. And which which union is it? SEIU Local. Oh, SEIU, yeah. yeah okay. Local 32BJ. So we in Massachusetts, our local represents, uh, like I said, 20,000 um, frontline workers in Rhode Island, Connecticut, uh, well, Rhode Island and Ma- Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire. And, um, and that's, that's where I, got, I took a lot of pride in because I, and I was a former janitor. We represent janitors. So for me, you know, my life kind of came real full circle when I took that job. And I, yeah, every day that I, I do go into work, I actually learn more than I can. I feel like I learn more than I, than I can offer about solidarity, about the movement, about, um, you know, uh, you know, just the the need for for people to survive and to thrive and 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 to fight for their families and their community and you know the, the members of local thirty two BJ embody that that kind of spirit of perseverance and hard work and so uh, you know so we you know like it's just it's a great job I I love that job I got to say uh, when I win this thing I'm gonna miss it so <laughs> but. Um, but but you know I'm running because because of them I'm running because um, this community when I first moved here you know it was a it was a different community it has changed and uh, people demand are demanding and deserve representation. No, we got a lot of questions for you. Uh, I'm here for it. Number I, one, Calla Walsh left a, her the free MBTA question. Where do you stand on free MBTA? Uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, we have the you know we have the we have the projections on the cost. A lot of um, very very uh, good organizations here. They're they're escaping my the name right now because it's been a whirlwind of a day. But uh, have done the research. It's a drop in the bucket. It's less than one percent of our state budget uh, to free the tea. And, and what that less than one percent represents is uh, first from like a ideological standpoint, right? Like if we start treating the tea as the public good that it is, that means we'll be able to fund it like the public good that it is, right? Like we, we you know, over the past three years, we've been talking about, oh, how do we fund transportation, um, education? Let's fully fund it, let's fully fund it, right? We don't fully fund the tea because we keep talking about it like it was a commodity, but it's not. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's something, it's a vital need. Like we need the water and sewer system, like we need our public education system, you know? So, um, Especially in Boston, too. Like, it's just, right, exactly. we're, we're so congested. It's like exactly. it's a life issue for everybody. But even no e- even beyond Boston, right? Like, if we, right. if we, if we want to re- remove that congestion, we have to expend in the infrastructure. We have to invest in the infrastructure to expand the system, right? To get us to Worcester in right. 20 minutes and 30 minutes, uh, as opposed to, you know, however long it takes for so many working families that are driving in and out of Worcester, from Worcester to Boston. And then we can talk about expanding towards... Uh, you know, towards uh, the western part of the state, right? Towards uh, Springfield and Holyoke and uh, Greenfield and Pittsfield and all these areas, right? That um, don't know you don't. I mean, like they have RTAs and that's good, but 
but we have to first move the conversation that this is a public good and we do that by freeing the tea by making it um access uh removing what i call the tax on working people which is what it is um and and making that investment it's a drop in the bucket it's less than one percent of the massachusetts state budget i used to be a budget director in the massachusetts state senate and uh and i can tell you we could definitely afford this thing um and, and you know like i keep saying i keep saying this right because of who it affects right like who freeing the tea affects right you know my dad is a frontline worker he, he works at not one but two major hospitals here in, in, in boston the boston area and at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, hey, dad, like, you know, how many people are on your wagon today? He's like, ah, there's two or three people, son. You know, nothing crazy. We can all spread out nicely. Oh, good, good. And then at some point, you know, Charlie Baker, uh, in his uh, omnipotent uh, uh, wisdom, uh, decided it was a good idea to to cut service. And, you know, and I, I'm dad, how many people were on the train today? You know, in the, you know, in the, in the dead heat of the pandemic, he's oh, you know, there's like 10 people today. I'm like, well, now I'm getting alarmed, right? Like now social distancing means less. And, you know, if I was a, if I was a conspiracy theorist, theorist I would say uh, that, you know, maybe it was on purpose, right? Like the communities that are going into work are largely black and brown working class communities. And, uh, we know that Charlie Baker doesn't care about them, so. <laughs> but uh, but I'm not a but I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so. Um, You're a realist. You know how it works. So I'm, so I'm not going to claim that that's what's happening here. But <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Charlie Baker. You brought him up um, and the COVID response because now his new thing is to open everything up, including the schools, including Fenway Park. I mean, I know there's some restriction on the numbers in terms of what they're going to allow at Fenway Park, but. You know, he's talking about indoor events as well. I mean, Fenway may not be as much of an issue if people have space and there's only 10%, but indoor stuff and especially schools. What do you think about him trying to open up schools, which is, to me, shocking. Like, in April, he's talking about – it's like, why can't you just wait until at least September? Yeah. But he wants to open them, like, right now. Like, he's he's trying to – and there's no, there's no uh, like, real backup. Like, there's not, like, a lot of resources to the schools for testing – there's not, you know, all, not all the students are, you know, going to abide by the masks. We know that. Yeah. And, you know, the, this is indoors and the teachers don't have vaccines. What, what, what's your response to that? All right. So multiple things, right? I think that, like, I, you know, uh, we're going right into a gubernatorial year. <laughs> and... Um, uh, you know, he probably wants to show some some uh, some progress, right? Like he wants to say, "We, hey, look, we got out of this, right? I got you out of this. Reelect me or whatever." Right? And so, uh, that, I, I think that maybe be driving his his push to reopen. It sure it, seems like it. It sure I does. Mean, that, like it. it does, and like you know, we were the bottom twenty five, we were about in half of the of the country that closed or that put any like real restrictions on businesses and uh, and schools um back in march of last year you know we're still struggling communities like Rivera and winthrop in particular got hammered by this thing and uh you know he's like let's reopen you know what i like how how do you tell a community like Rivera, right where the student body is majority non-white right where most of the workers that are in this community are frontline work or a lot of the workers that are in this community are frontline workers yeah, we're going to put your kids back in school and we're not going to vaccinate teachers. And, uh, you know, maybe we're going to send your kid back with a surprise. 
Like, how do you tell that after putting them through this for a year? I mean, like, it's the only, it's the type of, like, uh, short-sightedness that, uh, that I mean, I mean, he, he's characterized by this, right? Like, this is his M.O. Um, but it's just, a, it's just bad public policy. Like, you know, what he should have done is, A, there should have been equity approach to the vaccine does, uh, um, uh, distribution, which there wasn't. Um, and, and now he's like trying to like work on that or, or whatever he's trying to do, but there just wasn't an equity approach, right? Like if I, if, if I was the governor of Massachusetts, which I'm not, and I'm not running for governor, let me be clear. I'm running for state, right. But you know, I would have looked at the hardest hit zip codes with this thing. I said, all right, we're going to allocate a lot of vaccines to this particular zip code here. They have the comorbidities, they have the vulnerable population. This is where we're going to start. But instead, you know, he opted for the, fa- the the weird phasing that he did with like 75 year old, you know, like a lot of people who uh, a lot of people who were dying from this, even before this, don't live to 75. And this pandemic has cut the life expectancy by three, two to three years in a lot yeah. of these communities. So, uh, you know, but again, short-sightedness. He gets to go to Swampscott every day and he gets to, you know, jump in his Ford Explorer with all these people that are like, you know, corral him. And then he gets to use tunnel vision and not have to uh, watch the, how disparaged our communities have become. Uh, and good for him, you know, good for him. But, uh uh, you know, it's just it's just bad public policy. It's so frustrating. Honestly, every time I talk about it, it's just frustrating to, it is. <laughs> to like think about it. And um, you know, so I think we should open our public schools, but let's vaccinate every single teacher, teacher right. and every single school person that's like administrator, or even from from the teacher to the janitorial, the custodial staff. Like, let's yeah, I I agree. Like kids need they need it they need to go back to school but we can't put our teachers at risk for that it's just not worth it um and uh yeah so we have to we just have to be smarter about it man you know now now we're like in a big hurry to open stuff up right and like it's like because charlie baker screwed up i mean that's basically what it seems like yeah we have some other questions here uh one of the questions that came up uh right away is what we were talking about earlier uh, do you support, actually, uh, I put the wrong comment up. There it is. Do you support legislative transparency? What are your thoughts on this week's rules vote? Yeah, yeah, of course. No, I, I do. I, I signed that the, the uh, voters deserve to know uh, pledge to which which calls on roll call, you know, standing for roll call votes, uh, committing to release my, my personal committee votes, ensuring that the House rules reflect that as well, that we're being able to, you know, release committee votes, stuff like that. You know, I think that uh, what we see this week, you know, I heard a little bit of what you were talking about. Every time we flip a seat towards this is what's going to make the difference. And what we see the seat is just we, we we have a lot of work to do still, right? And we have a big opportunity on Tuesday to do that. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, uh, I'm going to be the ninth vote in that roll call uh, on, the, on the Democratic side. And... Um, you know, it's just it's part of the it's part of the movement, it's part of doing the work. Like I'm gonna support, you know, I'm gonna support colleagues that are gonna be doing that, and I'm gonna fight for colleagues that are gonna be doing that. Um, you know, and it's just it's part of the work. Like with everything, I think that, um, you know, I think that 
you know, this is a conversation that's like not sexy, right? Like people aren't talking about like you know, people people want to hear about free the TE and healthcare for all and like all this stuff. So how do you bring this to communities, right? You, well, you tell them, hey, you don't get that stuff unless we we ensure we have good transparency in the state house. Um, but but also like uh, you know like we got to be real. Like the conversation is very uh, it's very heady. It, it moves itself within like academic circles and very white circles and privileged circles and like uh, you know it hasn't had quite hit like a lot of folks right that um that uh you know like communities like Chelsea or like us here in Riviera or, like uh, and like so that education process is part of the movement towards that too right and that's why it's so important to continue to support candidates that um that understand that and that can talk to those communities right like. That's what drives me crazy. I mean, we we go up there like where I came from in the cannabis movement. We go up there every year. We know we had popular support. We'd have bills, and they would they would kill them in committee. They would never let it come to a floor vote, and they would hide their vote so you couldn't even tell. You'd have to you know fi secretly find out through one of the committee members if they would leak the vote to you. I mean, it's just it, it's just everything is done in secret. It's a it's a it's a club up there. And we need transparency. And we need new rules. It's so obvious. We're speaking to Juan Hadamio. Did I say your last name right? Yeah, you got it. I got good. it right. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I see you ninety percent there. Hadamido. 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 No, you got the last Hadamido. part. Oh, you got Had it. All right. Yeah, honestly, the first time you did it, it was good. Maybe I'm messing you up there. This <laughs> Well, it's me. It's I grew up with speech impediment issues, so yeah, I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm like a Joe Biden type guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, same I here. Don't worry about it. Of the stuttering and all that, and now I host the show. So yeah, same here. You can do anything. If Joe Biden can uh, be president and get harassed by all the QAnon people about his stuttering, right, you right. can do anything. It's my yeah. view. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, listen. If you're running for president, let me know. No, not me. I'm not running for anything. I'm just doing the shows. I like doing the shows, asking the questions. I like this. This is fun. Um, yeah, this is good. Yeah, well, and you know, I like supporting the workers. That's one of the big issues that we have. Uh, one of the big things that we've supported over the years is, you know, workers, especially worker rights. Um, I got a question. I'm not even sure what this question is about. We're just going to ask it to you. One, join New Urbanist Memes for Transit Oriented Teens Challenge. Do you know even uh, know what they're asking you? I, I know I know the page and I know the page well. Uh, there's like a, there's like the new urbanist memes for transit oriented teens at, at the page right uh, on Facebook. Uh, I I just know it exists I, and uh, I, I'm all about it. Um, a buddy of mine who I worked in the state house with is big on trains. I, I'm actually gonna give him a quick shout out. His name is Chris Smith. Uh, I have a running joke that even when he was a child, they called him Chris Christopher Trains Smith. And uh, he he's a, a big train guy, and, uh, and and so he told me about the the memes for transit oriented teens, and uh, it, like we joke about it all the time. I think that might be him. He might be the Facebook user because when oh, they yeah. don't, you know, they, they don't sign up through the Streamyard, it doesn't show their name. So oh, it's yeah, probably yeah. him. I bet it is. Yeah. I bet it's Chris Train Smith. Yeah, yeah, he is the Facebook. Train Smith. Yeah. yeah, for sure. No, it probably is him. So uh, uh, he loves trains. So he loves them. Uh, Probably as much as I love him, maybe a little bit more. I gotta say, he's got a, he really loves trains. Uh, but uh, you know, we t I talked to him about this. He takes the train everywhere. Like he's helping out. Uh, you know, he's 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 a, he's a close friend, and he's helping out on my campaign. And he takes the train from Somerville. He he, uh, you know, he came to a party. The other, you know, we we were friends, like actual really close friends. He he came to a, a 
he went to a wedding in like I don't know, like Ashland or something, and found the most transit-oriented route. Uh, took his bike for the places where there wasn't like uh, any any trains or buses running. Like this man, uh, all about the trains. Loves the public transportation, and uh, honestly, you know, he's taught me a lot about how we how we can uh, how to talk about about the issue and how important it is for working class folks. It's funny. I didn't expect to talk so much about transportation and trains tonight, but we, that's pretty much a lot of the uh, content tonight, which, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, speaks to uh, the politics. People definitely like the public transportation, a quick point of information. Maybe you can help us out with someone asked a question. Has Tino dropped out yet? Do you know? I mean, I haven't seen any statement that he's dropped out. Do you happen to know? Uh, you know, let me, let me first start with, um, with Catagoli saying that, uh, you know, I, I stand by and believe um, survivors. Uh, my fiance, um, I talk to her about this every night because she uh, she's actually a sexual assault counselor at uh, the North Shore Rape Crisis Center. And uh, and I get my cues on, on this issue from her, but just also from trying to be a, 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 the best man that I can be. Um, and so to my knowledge, he hasn't dropped out. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, we'll see where, where this goes. I mean, I think that my guess is he probably thinks, you know, he's on the ballot anyway, so he's going to just write it out. And, uh, uh, but uh, that should not overshadow the fact that there are people that are, oh, hey, Terry. So it was actually Terry Alder. Who uh, I do comment. love Terry, too. Still... He's a good guy. He's, he's a, a good, good friend. Good friend. Uh, but, but yeah, I know. But, uh, you know, let that not distract from the fact that, uh, we have to continue to encourage spaces where uh, for for survivors to to speak out against um, sexual violence. And uh, you you do have to go. I think you have uh, something with Ayanna Presley coming up right at eight o'clock, right? Yeah, yeah, in about three minutes. But I got three minutes for it. Listen, so I, tell I, us, I, I tell us run, why run, people should vote for you in Winthrop and Revere. Their closing spiel. Tell us. I, I love running. I, I run on LST, not LSD. <laughs> LST. Although we should probably decriminalize LSD, um, uh, which is Latino Standard Time, which is always a little behind. So. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so, you know, I think that people should, should get involved and vote for me because, uh, uh, we've seen the, the reckoning that this country has gone through in the last year and a lot of it. And when I say reckoning, I, I almost mean it in a positive way has been led by young people. And that's what this campaign is about. It's about building the future for young people. And we build that future by supporting workers, by supporting the most marginalized people in our communities, black and brown folks, um, working class families, women, femmes, people in the LGBTQ community. And that's what this campaign has been all about the entire time. Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, we have really sad candidates in this race. Uh, we have a pro-Trump Democrat that says that is anti-choice, uh, that, uh, you know, anti-science was pushing hydroxychloroquine on people when people were dying, which I think is just reckless, um, was, you know, my, the one thing Charlie Baker did okay was put a mask policy in place and he was mocking the mask policy. And, um, you know, and, and so this is a working class district with a large population of black and brown folks, 
with a large population of young people. Uh, and they're clamoring for really strong representation that's going to, they know they're going to have their back. Uh, you know, at a forum yesterday, somewhat uh, that opponent, the one, the hydroxychloroquine guy, um, you know, said, oh, and what Juan won't tell you is he's in, you know, he, he got it supported by all the uh, teachers unions. So that's why he doesn't want to open our school. He wants to have our kids in, uh, out of school forever. And I said, listen, man, I just want to keep them safe. And I'm damn proud to have the support of um, our teachers and our working class folks. And I am. And I'm going to be unabashed about it uh, every single time because, uh, you know, my whole life has been about rolling, my, rolling up my, uh, my sleeves, uh, quite literally cleaning shit when I worked at, at Mass General uh, and, and being people to people, like real people and like seeing people for where they are at, trying to meet them where they're at. Uh, and, um, and, and we need that, I think, more in Massachusetts politics, right? And, um, and, and so, yeah, so I'd love it if people can help us out. We're in the final stretch here. Um, and uh, I, we need all hands on deck because we have people trying to buy this race from working class folks. So visit us at juanforrep.com. Uh, we'd love to see you down here. We have Ayanna Presley coming down to Romney Marsh Academy in Revere tomorrow to kick off a canvas. And uh, we have her on in about, um, actually now, uh, not to take any of your audience away, but uh, um, no, they line. should. If you, they if you check I'm out, gonna, that's what I'm going to be doing next. Oh, great, great, great! Yeah, I'm going to be. Okay. I already signed up for it. Dope. And your website again is wanforrep.com. Yeah, just like you have it spelled here, but altogether and .com. And uh, yeah, come and join. We have a GOTV rally with Ayanna Presley with other community leaders here in Rivera that are uh, leading the fight against uh, uh, against uh, the the rich and well connected. Awesome. I'm going to let you go right. for that. But before I do, I got one more, more quick, like micro question and you yeah. answer yes or no. There's a, um, something we cover big is cannabis. And right now there's host community agreements that are keeping a lot of the smaller players out of the market. It's become a bidding war and we're trying to get rid of the host community agreements, do some reform, yeah. just basic reform, even, you know, basically have them even follow the spirit of the law. The cities and towns are out of control. Is that something you would support for, smaller players, people of color to get in the industry or something you would even look at? Yeah, I mean, we, we have to. I, I know this for a fact. Is actually, I was there when we rewrote the uh, referendum, which was, by the way, written the way that it was written by big industries, not by the little guy, not by the communities that have been suffering from the drug war for 50 years, 60 years, but by big business. So... You know, uh, like you caught me a little off guard. I, I haven't quite dwelt, delved into it, but, to be honest. But if it, whatever we need to do, and if people are saying that uh, we need to do something about the host community agreements to ensure equity, then uh, I'm willing to support it. Right? Like uh, again, I have to uh, to make a public opinion. Like no, I get it. Uh, you yeah. need to know more about it. I know a little bit more about it, but but but. If that's what we got, if that's where we land. That's where we land, and that's if that's where the facts lead us uh, in terms of how we ensure ensure equity. Um, then that that's where the facts lead us. We have to. We just have to. I mean, like, like I said, we I, I opened up the show right. Like my story is tied to the drug war. Uh, my diaspora, the diaspora of hundreds of thousands oh, yeah. of Colombian uh, immigrants and uh, you know Dominican immigrants and. Uh, uh, Brazilian immigrants and Mexican immigrants um, 
is tied to the quote-unquote drug war, which is only a war on black and brown people here and black and brown countries abroad. That's, right. That's what it is. So, um, Thank you so much, Juan. Thank you, Mike. Rapid.com. Tuesday, yeah. they can vote for you in uh, Winthrop and Revere. Thank yeah, you. Sign up to help us out. Thank you. See you in a second. Time. Ciao. Yeah, we'll see you with uh, on your uh, talk. And, uh, you know, yeah. what, do you, what do you call this? Get out the vote with Diana Presley? Yeah, this is get out the vote with uh, Congresswoman Anna Presley. Awesome. Good Sweet. luck with that. We'll be uh, we'll be part of that next, and we Sweet. invite everyone to join uh, Juan for that as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye now. We're the Young Jerks, and uh, Mike Crawford checking out. That was a great show. I want to thank uh, Juan for rep for joining us tonight. I also want to thank uh, Calla Walsh and Dan Taunton and all our listeners and comments. If you are just checking us out for the first time, definitely follow us on Twitter at The Young Jerks or Facebook. We're also on uh, we got a lot of places now. We're on YouTube as well. And uh, that other place, uh, what is it called? I can't even remember right now. It's where all the kids uh, play video games. You know the place, Twitch. We're also on Twitch. So follow us in all those places if you're, uh, you know, so liking us tonight. Uh, my name is Mike Crawford, Young Jerks. I want to thank again Juan for Rep for coming on uh, tonight, JuanForRep.com. He's uh, running for election state rep. Definitely endorsing him. You should definitely vote for him Tuesday uh, in Winthrop in Revere. And I also want to thank uh, Calla Walsh from Act on Mass from coming on and Dan Taunton uh, from Cambridge. Again, it's Mike Crawford checking out. We'll talk real soon again. Later. <laughs>